appreciate all the hard work that went into our Vacation Bible School this year. You know, we uh, in the last few weeks, we've been having to make some decisions about our leaders, and and so we're still in that process. Uh, the deacons that you saw, I tell you what, guys, just if you don't mind, throw those guys back up on the screen while we're uh, having our prayer and talking about our leaders this morning. We have eight gentlemen on that screen and four have to be chosen from that great group of eight. One of the things I want you to do is just continue to pray about it. That's also what we are doing today about our, our, our other leaders. We have two leaders that we need to choose today, so other than our deacons. Listen to this passage of Scripture. Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him, and He'll make your paths straight. One of the things I know that God is all about is leading us in the right direction when decisions are made, when we trust Him and we believe in Him. But come talk to us and lead us in a prayer. Good morning. Um, I'm simply up here today to see if any of you did not get a ballot for the nominating committee we're voting on today. If you do raise your hand, we got 
folks back here who will bring them to you. We tried to saturate everybody to expedite the process, but if you didn't get one, raise your hand. Okay. Um, and as Dale said, next week we'll be voting on the um, deacons. And you cannot fail with these names right here. And let me just say, while we're watching this about the Bible school, that's the future of this church right here. Very encouraging to see those kids having fun, but also not just having fun, but learning who Jesus Christ is. And we thank those who are involved in that, and we appreciate them, Matt and his wife and all of those. It was uh, very encouraging. We need that in this society we live in today. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning thanking you, Lord, for the blessings you give to us individually and give us here at this church as the body of Christ. We thank you for our pastoral staff, our musicians, and choir, and the teachers. Lord, it takes so many people to do what we need to do here and that we have to do here at this church, Lord. And we thank you for each and every one. They're valuable. We raise up those who learn the Lord, Lord, then one day they will not depart from it. That's our hope and our plan and our prayer. Now be with this worship service today. Be with Dale as he brings a message. Be with the music as we praise your holy name. Guide us and watch over us and keep us safe. And we thank you, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. So good to see you this morning. Hey, how many of you got to watch Joanna on the video? Wasn't that exciting? Did you see all those moves? Wasn't she fantastic? Because next week she's going to start choreographing every song we sing. And uh, I'm going to have to get my back worked on before I can do something. some of the things she just did on that video. I'm so excited about her. Also excited, we have our friend Angie Wells who's filling in on the praise team today. So you'll want to make her feel welcome when you have the chance today. In fact, we can do it right now. Let's just give her a hand for being here today. So thankful for her. Won't you stand? You know, a lot of people are talking about all kind of things they're afraid of. Afraid of this, afraid of that, afraid of everything. I hear this word Delta floating around, afraid about that. I'm not worried about Delta or Epsilon or anything else because I know the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end, who calls me his friend and his child. Let's sing about that this morning.
She just surprises me every time with something new. <laughs> Fantastic. Last week we learned a new version of written down in glory. New name written down in glory. And we're going to repeat that right now. Change me, see I now a new 
tells me I am, tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. I am who I am because the I am tells me who I am. standing. I was so excited Miss Eva's going to come and read our scripture for us this morning and I was so excited because she knew the words so there's a new name written in glory. She was just singing along. <laughs> Miss Eva come and share the word with us this morning. This morning we're going to be talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I would like to read that to you. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is the question in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, 
a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring oil and wine. There he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Well, good morning, everyone. We've been having an interesting journey as we've been walking through the parables and the teachings of Jesus. And today we come to the fourth parable that is uh, a very interesting parable. A lot of people, when they look at this particular story, they refer it to the man who was a good Samaritan. But one of the challenges that I want to give you today is I want you to think about God's Word and its completeness and its wholeness as you think about this particular passage of Scripture. In fact, it's more than just about a good Samaritan there are some values and there are some understanding here that as we read this passage of Scripture, you need to pay careful and close attention to the questions of Jesus. The Bible tells us when we read this parable that an expert of the law, now I want you to hold on to that, an expert of the law came to Jesus. In other words, he was a lawyer. Not the kind of lawyer that you think about takes care of you in court, but this individual understood the teachings of the first five books of the Old Testament, the Pentateuch, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. This individual knew those books inside and out, and he was a teacher of those books. And so when this man came to Jesus and was talking to him, he had a question for Jesus. In fact, when he came to Jesus, he asked the teacher, what must I do to have eternal life? So when that question was given to Jesus, and this is what I love about the Lord, the Lord put questions back to him. In fact, it's as I've said to you over the past few weeks, Jesus asked more questions than he gave answers. He let people answer those questions. So he turned to the man when he, the man asked, what must I do to have eternal life? Then we find that Jesus said, what is written in the law? The law, the first five books of the Bible that this man knew inside and out. What is written in the law? And the man replied, he went to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Because he had it burned in his brain. He knew exactly what it was all about. And he replied, and when Jesus said, What have you read? The man said, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. 
And a lot of people, when they hear that, they think, okay, now Jesus is going to tell us the story about the Samaritan. But there's much more to this. In fact, I hope you'll keep your Bibles open because I'm going to show you a passage of Scripture that comes from the Old Testament that I hope will open your eyes to understand this passage of Scripture, maybe in a unique way. But when this man who knew the law, knew all five of those first five books of the Old Testament inside and out, he came to Jesus, and it was almost an inquisitive tone he had, but also he was trying to put Jesus on the scene. He was trying to embarrass Jesus. And so Jesus turned to him, and he asked him, what is the greatest of the law? And the man said, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and to love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus replied that he had answered well. He said, and then the Bible tells us that the man in verse 29 asked this question. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, Who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? And then Jesus went right into the story telling about the Good Samaritan. The Bible tells us about how this story started. And there were two religious leaders that saw this man who had been beaten and cast off to the side. But yet they paid no attention to him. In fact, they got on the other side. In verse 31, it said that a priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too, a Levite, when he came to the place, he saw him and he passed on the other side. So you have these religious leaders, these very educated individuals who know the law of God, who know the Word of God, who absolutely are religious in all rights, but they see this man beaten and casts down, and you know, he could very well be close to death, but they decided that they would get on the other side of the road. And so they did. And then the Bible tells us about a Samaritan who came along. Now, I've heard a lot of people talking about this passage of Scripture and interpreting this passage of Scripture. And when it comes to this, one of the things that they are focusing on is the nature of a Samaritan. In fact, the Samaritan was a social group of people that the religious people of the day that Jesus was referring to really didn't want to have a whole lot to do with. But the Samaritans have a long history with the people of Israel. In fact, the Bible tells us about separations and battles that they had in eons ago. And so the separation that they had, a lot of people think that these Samaritans were basically half-breed people that, that, that had gone into bondage and when they came back home that they interbred with other folks. And a lot of people focus on that. And there is some truth to that. But when Jesus is telling this story, He also is speaking to a man who understood the Old Testament thoroughly. He knew it inside and outside. And the Bible tells us that when this man came to Jesus, he thought he knew so much that he could put Jesus to the test. But when Jesus came back to him and started telling him the story about these religious leaders that got on the other side of the road and paid no attention to what was going on, and then he referred to a Samaritan, a lot of people think that Jesus was just trying to pull someone from the outside in, but there was much more to this truth than just that. It's more than just a, um, 
social conflict that was in place. And if you have your Bibles, and I even put this on the screen for you today, there is a passage of Scripture in Second Chronicles chapter 28 that I want to share with you, and I want you to hear this story. And I hope that as you hear this story, that it will change your mind about this Samaritan that Jesus was referring to because the man that he was speaking to knew this story. He knew this story inside and out just like he knew the first five books of the Bible inside and out. And so in Second Chronicles chapter 28, I'm going to begin with verse, uh, verse 8. Now, before I read this, let me tell you that one of the things you're going to be reading here is that the people of Israel have separated themselves into different sections and they are in conflict with one another. You have the north and you have the south. Does that sound familiar? Our country has even seen that in its history where you had the north and the south and they were fighting against one another. But when we come to Second Chronicles chapter 28, verse 8, listen to this. The men of Israel took captive from their fellow Israelites who were from Judah the hundred thousand wives, sons, and daughters. And they also took a great deal of plunder which they carried back to Samaria. All right. Are you paying attention to that? So they came down from Samaria. They won the battle. And now they're taking the women, the gold, the silver, all the loot back with them to their town. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded. Now, how many of you heard of the prophet Oded? Probably not too many of you thought about him. But the prophet of the Lord named Oded was there, and he went out to them to meet the army. When it returned to Samaria, he said to them, because the Lord, the God of your ancestors, was angry with Judah, he gave them into your hand. But you have slaughtered them in rage that reaches to heaven. And now you intend to make the men and women of Judah and Israel your slaves. But aren't you also guilty of sins against the Lord? Now pay close attention to that passage of Scripture. But now aren't you also guilty of sins against the Lord your God? Now listen to me, send back your fellow Israelites you have taken as prisoners, for the, Lord is fe- for the Lord's fierce angry rests on you. Then you go to verse 12 and it says this, and then some of the leaders, and it names all of those leaders by name, confronted those who were arriving from the war. You must not bring those prisoners here, they said, or we will all be guilty before the Lord. Do you intend to add to our sin and guilt? For our guilt is already great. And His fierce anger rests on Israel. Now you see, God's talked to them. God's spoken to these Samaritans. And they've listened to them. And now they're saying, God's speaking to us. We've taken all this plunder. The prophet has come to us. And he's told us that we're doing wrong. And now watch this. Watch this very carefully. Because you cannot separate this story from what Jesus was telling this religious leader of the day. So the soldiers gave up the prisoners and the plunder 
in the presence of their officials and all the assembly. The men designated by name took the prisoners, and from the plunder, they clothed all who were naked. They provided them with clothes and sandals and food and drink and healing balm. And those who were weak, they put on donkeys so that they took them back to their fellow Israelites at Jericho, the city of of Palms, and returned to Samaria. Now what in the world does this have to do with us? And how do we understand this passage of Scripture? And how do we take this Old Testament passage? And how is it that we cannot ignore that? Because I want to tell you something, that that Samaritan, what Jesus was trying to get that religious leader to think about, he was not talking about a particular uh, particular three leaders. He was not talking about someone he knew from the synagogue that walked away from that wounded man. He was not talking about the other religious leader that walked away from that man. Jesus is telling us a parable. He's telling us a story. But when he gets to talking about the one who is a Samaritan, one of the things that this man of the Jewish law knew was this story that I just read to you. How that at one time Samaria was a conqueror and they went in and they plundered a place. And when they plundered that place and they took all the women and they took all the children, the prophet of God came to them and said, this is wrong. This is not the way you should be living. These people are close to you. They are your neighbors. You have known some of them. And so one of the sto- what we find in this story, and especially when you look in 2 Chronicles chapter 28, is that this guy who is this religious leader standing there before Jesus, Jesus begins to tell him the story of the Samaritan. And the man all of a sudden, it starts to come to him. He remembers Chronicles chapter 28, verse 8 and following. Were these Samaritans who had plundered the land, who had taken all that they had had, that the Word of God came to them, and the Word of God was so strong to them, and the prophet spoke so clearly to them, about their neighbors. Now, do you remember what this teacher of the law said to Jesus when Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbors as yourself? Well, Jesus said, you've done well. And then the man comes back to Jesus and says, well, who's my neighbor? And then Jesus tells this story, and as He's telling this story of the Samaritan, this man is standing there. And folks, I'm going to tell you, This man, as he is standing there, was recalling everything from 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 8 and following. The Word of God. And what had happened with Samaria? They had conquered that land. They had taken all this plunder. They had taken all of these things. And then the prophet of God came to them and spoke to them. And did you, did you notice, did you pay any attention as to how they behaved when God came to them and spoke to them through the prophet? 
the Bible tells us that there were leaders in that group that their hearts were changed and their attitudes were changed. And when their attitudes and their thoughts were changed, when you look in Second Chronicles chapter 28, verses 13 and following, it says this, You must bring those prisoners here, they said, or we will be guilty before the Lord. So there was an understanding about guilt. God had spoken to them. God had, Jesus had been teaching to those Pharisees and those scribes, but yet this scribe had yet to hear the voice of God even though he knew the Old Testament and he knew all the law. But yet he also knew this story found in Second Chronicles. And the Bible tells us that you do not intend to add to your sin or guilt, do you? But you need to give back. And the Bible tells us that the minds and the hearts of these men who conquered the south part of that country in battle, that they decided, the Samaritans decided, that, okay, we can't keep this to ourselves. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound like a generous individual who found a man who was beaten by the wayside? And this man who was beaten, the Bible tells us what? That he takes care of him. He takes care of his wounds. He puts him on his own animal. And he takes him to a place to be cared of. And the Bible is saying here, so the soldiers gave up the prisoners and the plunder in the presence of the officials and all the assembly. And the men designated by name took the prisoners. And from the plunder, they clothed them. Does that sound familiar? This Samaritan clothed that man? Well, this, this religious leader that's standing there listening to this story, he's remembering the story from Second Chronicles that they clothed them, they were naked, they provided them with cloths and sandals and food and drink and healing balm. That Samaritan that Jesus was talking about, didn't he take some sort of soothing thing and placed it on that man who had been beaten and thrown by the wayside? He did. And then the Bible says that those ones in Second Chronicles took those who were wounded and put them on their own animal. Who else took someone and put him on their own animal? The very one that Jesus was telling the story to, to that religious leader. What is this story all about? Is it about the Good Samaritan? Is it about the story of Samaria? Yeah, it is. But what this story is more about is a man who never understood the true love of God and when we truly love God, how to love other people. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one God. You shall have no other God before you. He knew that. He also understood the passage of Scripture that... We talked about how that we are to love the Lord our God with all our heart, our soul, and our mind. And we are to love our neighbor as ourselves. He knew that. This man who understood those five books of the Old Testament inside and out, as he stood in front of Jesus, one of the biggest problems that he was having is he could love the Lord he could love the Lord, and he could love his family, and he could love his friends. But when it got to that point where he said, Who is my neighbor? Then Jesus told the story of the Samaritan that takes us all the way back to the book of Second Chronicles, where Samaritans really showed their love for others, even through battle. You know, one of the things that is easy to do, man, I'm telling you what, it is easy to love grandchildren. It's easy. 
I'm telling you, I probably put more kisses and, and stuff on the cheeks of that little granddaughter of mine. I, she probably, one of these days, she's probably going to get tired of that. But right now I'm doing it. And, and it's real easy to love someone that's easy to love. It's real easy to love someone who you care about. It's easy to love people that come to church with you. Well, I guess for some of you it is, but anyway. It's easy for us to love people that we're familiar with and people that we engage with and people that we spend time with that we'll have lunch with today or that we'll go on vacation with. Oh, it's just easy to love people that are easy to be loved. But when it comes to this idea of loving people in our culture and in our world who are different than us or who have different ideologies or different philosophies of love, that becomes a very challenging thing for all of us. And when Jesus was speaking to this religious leader, he hit him right at the heart of who he was. When this man said, I love the Lord your God first and then love your neighbor as yourself, and Jesus said, you do well when you do that. And then the man turns it right around and he says, well, Lord, tell me this. Who's my neighbor? Who am I supposed to be loving? And then Jesus reminded him of Second Chronicles, the passage that I just read you right here. He almost took the imagery of that story in Second Chronicles where the Samaritans had defeated their foes But yet the prophet came to them and told them that what you're doing and the way you're doing it is not good. And these guys' hearts were so changed. And their hearts were so transformed. Now think about this. You're in a battle. You win the whole victory. You've got the whole loot. Everything is looking good. You have stomped the people in the south thoroughly. And now you're ready to go home and celebrate. And then the prophet of God comes to you and says to you, what you are doing is not right. You're related to some of those folks down there. You're connected with some of those folks. And the prophet said to them, it is an amazing statement that he makes. When you go to Second Chronicles and you read that passage of Scripture, I want you to look real clearly what the prophet said. But a prophet of the Lord named Oded was there and he went out to meet the army when it returned to Samaria and he said to them because the Lord the God of glory of your ancestors he's angry with the way that you're behaving and the way that you have done with Judah he gave them into your hands but you have slaughtered them in rage and the riches of heaven are not going to bless you by the way you've behaved now I want to ask you a question. How's your week been? How has your encounter with people in your life been? And here's a question I also have for you. How have you loved the people in your world? Oh man, I'm going to tell you something. We, I was talking to several church members about this this morning before the worship service. And you know, it, it, it's getting really hard. It's getting really edgy right now in our culture to be forgiving and to be engaging with some people. I mean, it really is. Especially if you watch any kind of news clips. You get, after a while, I just, it's, it's exhausting to see how people, they can't talk anymore. They just got to yell at each other, you know. 
It's not like they can interact with one another. It's got you got to put somebody up here and put somebody down here or get blocked off of Facebook or Twitter or whatever. They just kick you off. Nobody wants to do that anymore. But I'm going to tell you something that I believe that this story of the Good Samaritan is a story that we need to hear today. We need to hear it fresh and we need to hear it new. But you can't ignore the passage of Scripture that comes to you from 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 8 through 15, where this very story was taking place there where the tensions were tough, the tensions were hot, but the prophet came along and said, this is not the way of God. And do you know why Jesus answered this religious leader, this educator, this one who knew all the law the way he did, is because this man had hate in his heart for some people and Jesus could see it in his eyes. And when that man said to him, I love the Lord, I love my neighbor, and Jesus said, you've done good, and then the man comes back and says, but who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? That is a question that all of us need to be asking ourselves. Who is our neighbor? Who, who is it that God wants us to connect with? And how is it that God wants us to connect with Him? I think if you'll take the story you have there in Second Chronicles and you see how the Samaritans in history were changed by the prophet of God to change their hearts, to change their minds, to love their enemies as they were loving themselves. And that is not an easy thing to do. It's a challenging thing for all of us. But I want to say something to you, and I want you to grab onto this. You are never, ever, ever going to know the full love of God as long as you hold malice and you hold contempt and you hold ill will in your heart for someone else. You're never going to know the fullness of God. That man that came to Jesus who had kept the law, he loved the Lord, he said he loved his neighbor. Jesus could tell by looking in his eyes that he did not love everyone. In fact, he probably didn't even love Jesus. That's why he came. If you look at that passage of Scripture, the Bible says in verse 25 there in chapter 10, an expert of the law stood up to test Jesus. It wasn't to be Jesus' friend, it was to test Jesus. He wanted to see him flop. He wanted to see him fail. And when he came to Jesus to test him, that's when the conversation took place. Here's my question that I have for you, and I want to leave with you today. And I I want you to, to take these stories and ask a very simple question. Who is it that is in your life that is keeping you from being able to walk close to the Lord? Who is it that you are holding in the back of your mind, and somebody may in the front of your mind, where you will not forgive them? You will not let it go. You will not just push it aside, but you're holding on to it, and you're absolutely not going to allow the prophet of God to be able to speak to you on Sundays, as we hope we do, in song and in the preaching of the Word. And as the Word of God comes to you, as it did to those Samaritans way long ago, before Jesus ever told this story, that when God speaks and we hear God God will change our minds and He will change our hearts. He will soften us up. He will put us on the right path. He will make us go in the right direction when we listen to God and we listen to the teachings of God. 
But if we take the teachings of God as this man did, that Jesus was talking to, and he knew the Word of God, he knew the teachings of God, he knew the law of God. If we know all of that, and we're good at going to church, and we can pray, and we can flip our Bibles open, and we can read passages of Scripture, but yet we do not love God as the Samaritans did in the Old Testament, and as the Samaritan did in the story that Jesus was telling this teacher we will never, ever be able to walk close to Him. And that's what Jesus was trying to get this man to think about. He told him that little story, but as He told him that story, this educated, high-brow guy of the law knew that when Jesus started talking about Samaritans, He remembered the passage of Scripture that I shared with you. I believe this. 2 Chronicles chapter 28, verses 8 through 15, where the Samaritans were showing the grace and the love of God because they heard the voice of the prophet. There will be many people that will go to church today and they will not hear the Word of God. There will be many people that will live their life and they will not hear the Word of God. But when we are willing to hear the Word of God and when we are willing to obey the Word of God and when we are willing to listen to the Word of God, just as Jesus spoke to that man who... Oh, listen, y'all. If He came in here, if that... If that teacher of the law were to come in here and start quoting all the things that he knew from the first five books of that Bible, it would blow our minds as how much memory he had in his mind. But yet his spiritual life was bad. Because when it came down to loving the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and mind and loving our neighbor as ourself, Jesus said, you do good when you do that. If you do that, you're following the will of God. And then the man turns right around and says, well, let me just ask you one thing. Who do I leave out of that group? Now, I'm paraphrasing that, but that's what he was saying. Who do I leave out of that group? Who is my neighbor? Folks, I want to tell you something, and I want to leave this with you. And here's, here's one of the things. This is my invitation to you today. If you've come into this place today and there is ill will in your heart for any one human, you need to go to the Lord today and clear it up. Get it off of your chest. Get it out of your mind. Get it out of your life. Because you're never going to be able to walk close to God as long as that kind of poison is in your mind. And that's one of the things that happened with that religious leader of the day. When Jesus said those things to him, if you notice very carefully how that passage of Scripture ended up, the Bible says the expert in the law replied when Jesus said, "Who? who how is this to be done? Who is the one that is obedient to God? Well, it was the Samaritan that was obedient to God. Why did he know that? He knew it, the story that Jesus was telling, but also that story I told you that came from Chronicles. He said to him, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. 
In other words, a man just, he's standing there and, and Jesus hits him right in the heart and right in the mind and he can't come back with him with an argument because he knows that story from Chronicles and he knows what Jesus is saying to him. He knows what Samaritans were like. He knows what Samaritans were like in his day and he knew what the Samaritans behaved like when the Holy Spirit of God hit them. And what Jesus was trying to do more than anything was get this man to think about what happens in our life when God strikes our heart. He changes our hearts. He changes our mind. And He will not allow ill will and temperament that does not flow with His Spirit to exist. That is the story of the Good Samaritan. God wants to change every one of our hearts. God wants us to think in ways like that Samaritan. When that Samaritan saw that man by the wayside, he was remembering what happened over in Second Chronicles, I believe. And when he was understanding that, he was just simply following what was led before him. And when that rabbi heard the story come from, from Jesus. He was remembering the Word of God. They come from Second Chronicles. And this is why it is so important for all of us to stay in God's Word and to be sure that the things that we believe and the things that we desire and the direction that we're going in life is based upon God's Word. And when we are based upon God's Word, God can do miraculous and wonderful things in our life. And you know, He can even cause us to love people that we don't love. That's amazing. Our Father, You amaze me every time I read Your Word. And when I read Your Word in its completeness and I see the full story, I can't help but believe there are so many messages that we have twisted and we have turned around. There's a lot of people who believe that a good Samaritan is just that, somebody that's morally good, somebody that's trying to do the right things, somebody that's just a good person. But a good Samaritan, Lord, is one who has been changed by the prophets of God and by the Holy Spirit of God in which they are willing to take their wealth and their gain and to turn it around and give it back to people they have stolen it from. To give the women and the children back to their enemy. This is what happens to us when we understand what the true moving of the Holy Spirit is all about. So Lord, don't let us leave this place ignoring this story. Don't let us walk away from here hearing the Old Testament and the New Testament alike, but especially ignoring the words of Jesus. What does it mean for us to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, soul, and mind? And what does it mean for us to love our neighbor as ourselves. Sometimes, Lord, that may call us to love our enemies, and that is not easy. But Lord, bless us, encourage us, fill us with the power of Your Holy Spirit, and to help us understand fully and completely the solid Word of God. And now as we leave here today, Lord, I pray that each and every one of us will keep our eyes and ears open to where You're taking us. And Lord, if we ever cross paths with someone that needs the love of God, I pray that every single one of us will put our prejudices, our thoughts aside, and we will love them 
as Christ Jesus our Lord would love them. And it is in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, I make this prayer. Amen.
Amen. Thank you, choir. By the way, we rehearse every Sunday. Did y'all know that? Have I ever told you that? Every Sunday at 5 o'clock. 5 o'clock, not 4, 5 o'clock. So be here. We'll be working on Christmas before long, so it's time to get in the groove. Hey, listen, I have an announcement for you. The announcement is, if you're on church council, there is a brief church council meeting in the conference room downstairs to consider one matter of business immediately following this service. So please don't forget that if you are a church council member. As you leave today, there will be some guys out there to uh, take your offering in the, uh, with the plates at the door. They'll also take your ballots for the folks you voted on this morning. And if you're not comfortable putting something in the plates, as you leave under the portico, there are black boxes both coming in and going out, hanging on the wall, and you can drop your offering or ballot or whatever you need to do there. Are you glad you were here today? Amen. It's always good to be in the house of the Lord. And so we're going out of here today realizing that He can help us to even love those that we struggle with. Amen? Or oh my. Amen. Let's stand together and pray before we leave today. Our Father, it is with great adoration that we come here today in your presence before we leave just to say thanks. Thanks for allowing us to worship you. Thank, for, thank you for challenging our hearts through your word and your servant today. Oh Lord, I pray that this will be a day that we know that we came and we heard your word. And because of that, we can go now and live your word. Father, we love you. We thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen.